This week on episode 13 of the Dying Alive podcast, the Penguins played some games, the Penguins made some trades, the Penguins supposedly thought about making some trades, and some other things happened in the National Hockey League. Like the title says, episode 13. As Mike said before the show, lucky number 13. Uh, Jesse Marshall of The Athletic, joined by Mike Darnay. I'm going to give you first billing again this week, Mike. You've earned it. What What did I do to earn it? I have to ask. You, you, well, you, you used uh, less trees. That is true. I did. Printed less paper this week. How are you, Jesse? I'm fine. And we're also joined by Pat Damp of the Pens blog. Patrick. Jesse. Great, great job with the self-roast this week. If you did not see it, one of our listener correspondences last week was a joke about Pat being an elf on the shelf in his spare time because he's very short and uh, nice self-roast by Pat to kind of get ahead of things. A preemptive, I wouldn't say it's a preemptive strike because you already have, you've been struck, um, but you've preempted any further strikings by the self-roast. Hey, it's winter time and it snows. And one of the best pieces of advice I can give to people who aren't used to living in a wintry environment is always, always, always steer into the skid. Yeah, steer into the skid. Um, you pulled a little bit of an M&M there, Patrick. How so? Oh, you know, an eight mile. He makes fun of himself. Oh, right. the, the roast or the rap battle at the end. Yeah. Who's, wow. Who's I could Dr. not have said. Who's Dr. Black Falcon going to be pissed at now? I could not oh. have sounded. I could not have sounded whiter on that. Oh, the rap oh. battle they had there at the end of that film. <laughs> we should. Um, yeah. So that's uh, the show again. Thank you for joining. Um, uh, you remember that part in, in the Jurassic Park with Jeff Goldblum's like, you do have dinosaurs on your dinosaur tour. That's people listening to our show. Like, you ain't goddamn talk about hockey or not. Um, <laughs> so uh, la- last week before the, when the show started, we referred to the Penguins uh, run of good games as a fragile ecosystem. Uh, and that was shattered uh, on Saturday nights in, a, in the form of a 4-2 loss against the Flyers. Um, I'll throw this one out there to start. I felt like that was one of the worst losses of the year. Maybe it's because it happened against Philadelphia. Uh, but you you talk about just... I don't want to use the word meltdowns, but my goodness, like when they turn it off, they just, they turn, I said last night to put the e-brake on, they're done. They're out of the building, game's over for them. And the other team has not stopped playing. Yeah, it was really, I was at the game Saturday. It was incredibly sloppy, um, sloppy from both teams in the neutral zone, but specifically for the Penguins, several breakaways, breakaways shorthanded, just Dumb shit. Okay, so we're going to stop there real quick before we continue. Michael, how many beers did you consume? I did not consume a single beer. Wow. I did consume multiple rum and cups. <laughs> You're off beer. Uh, I this was, show has gotten to him, Pat. I was under, show I was, turned whoa, him whoa, into whoa, a liquor-only guy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was, I was very under the weather with a bad cold, and I found it easier for my system to not drink beer for some reason. I'm not a doctor, but I don't know if that's true. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. I ended up getting home very late, and I was still up early for work Sunday morning, and I bounced back very quickly. So, Amen. Um, Yeah, so, Pat, any comments before we dive into the shorthanded situation, which we're obviously going to spend gratuitous time on, um, the Flyers game? What I was going to add into that was, one, I think – what you said is correct because it's the flyers. We're going to obviously put that under more of a microscope than usual because it's a rivalry. It's the same thing with the capitals. We're going to nitpick every single little thing that happens in that game Two, I think it also was Chris Letang's worst game of the year. And when something that unexpected happens, especially for a guy that has been a model of consistency this season, it makes the loss that much worse. I also think, though, aside from the few minutes that the Penguins turned it off and let, and opened the door for the Flyers to come back, we do have to tip our cap a bit to Anthony Stollers because he oh, shut sure. the door. Sure. If you looked yeah. at, if you looked at the heat map from that game, the Penguins in st- in the style of Red Dead Redemption Two sat down, built a camp, and just sat in front of him all night long 
and he shut the door. It's, I mean, they, they could have done more. They could have been better defensively, the Penguins, but when a goalie decides to shut the door, at some point you eventually just have to tip your cap and say, all right, you played well. Yeah, and, and the hey, wait, wait, real quick, if you, if you also want to see another kind of heat map, go to my Twitter account. Oh. You look at the two goals the Penguins scored in that game. The first, the first one was 30 seconds in. Uh, Crosby and uh, Gensel with the two-on-one, which Crosby's shot went in off Stolarz, I believe. And then the second one was Riley Shahan with a beautiful goal. So, I mean, they had to score a couple nice ones, really. They didn't get anything cheap in that game. They had to earn their goals in that game. They had to either pick a corner or get the mismatch. And when a goalie's on his game like that, that's the only real ways to beat them. Confirmation bias, but it always happens to the Penguins. And uh, let me tell you another frustrating thing about that loss was you, you had also just caught the Flyers at like organizationally an extremely low point. So not – I know that doesn't affect necessarily the on-ice product, but you know the whole situation just kind of screamed out that it was ripe for the picking. Let's just get something out of the way here because you mentioned Chris Letang. I was going to say, though, I was going to say, though, it does – affect I think the on ice play a little bit because you hear it from players whether it be bullshit or not that when guys at the top get the axe it kind of wakes everybody on the bench up to say like well if that guy's gone then where do I stand and I think that coupled with a rivalry game the Flyers were going to get up for that regardless yeah still anyway I'll give you that one I concede Um, It's the first time I got to put the horns in (laughs) um, You put a little hallelujah in there Um, Yeah, hallelujah of course, tis the season Yes, it is So Chris Letang I I just What surprised me Was that for a guy who As I've said on this show As I've written Is a legitimate to me Norris Trophy candidate this season If we're Mm going to just actually judge it The way it should be judged and not have these preconceived deserve it winners, which we all know happens. That was really his first bad game of the year. Yeah, it I thought so. I thought so too. I thought so, so too. And what shocked me after really being the most consistent player this team has had all season long, people just turned on him. They people were waiting within the city of Pittsburgh for Chris Letang to have that game. Well, he'd I don't I don't think he had to have gone like a full 82 flawless to flip people's opinion to him from last season. Um in, in fairness, I don't think that's a Chris Letang thing. I think that's a Penguin fan thing. Yeah, and I was also going to say it's really tough, I think from a general standpoint to be a fan of a defenseman in hockey if you're not somebody that watches hockey at the level that people like we do. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. The way I mean it is when you think of a defenseman, it's either a guy who is Paul Coffey and scores goals and puts up points all the time, every game consistently, or a Scott Stevens that lays people out and is a huge hitter. And Chris Letang is not really either of those. He's just a really good, fast He's a fast skater. He's a good positional player, and he you know contributes to the offense. What do you call that? Mark Giordano disease. Yeah, that. I mean, Mark. I'll be honest with you. Like, I look across the landscape of the National Hockey League, and if you ask me to start a, a, def, a, a franchise with a defenseman, I could have anyone I want, like within reason. <laughs> <laughs> like you got, like you know, you pick Eric Carlson, but like. Within, let's say I had the the 16th pick overall in the fantasy draft. I'm taking Mark Giordano. Yeah, and the, but the point I was making there He'll was never win a Norris. <laughs> Sorry, I should have said that. But He's the, never going to win a Norris. But Trophy. the point I was making there was that like when a guy doesn't fit into one of those two molds, it's really easy for people to be reactionary about it. That as soon as he has a bad game, oh, he's not good. He's bad. He's awful. We don't. We need to get rid of him. He's terrible. But. The reality is when he plays as consistently as he does and eats the amount of minutes he does per night, you have to truly appreciate what he does throughout a full season. Yeah, and I, for one, personally found it amusing when he came out of the penalty box and took another penalty on his way to the bench. 
That was the bad Chris Letang. The the Chris Letang that people love to hate. No, you're right. That that was that was decidedly not good. Um, here's the thing, though. Like people are like Chris Letang's overpaid. Like what a terrible contract. All right, all right, people. Look mm. around the league, buddy. Yeah. Dion Phaneuf is making seven mil a year. He's making Brent Seabrook. Brent Seabrook's making six point eight. Yeah, Dion Phaneuf's making seven million dollars a year to be a traffic cone. Yeah. Yeah, Brent Seabrook, six point eight million. No, oh, but 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 Dion Phaneuf's big and he can hit people. Oh, Shane Weber and that Ryan was. Ryan Suter, seven point eight, seven point five. Aaron Eckblad, seven point five. Nah, I don't you're know. Telling you, me, I don't you're know. Telling you, me, you're telling me Chris Letang at seven point two is not a bargain? Yeah, but Aaron Eckblad's what twenty three? Like that guy's got a hell of a future ahead of him. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I was just saying. What is his performance output right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, to that extent, you're right. I, but the Ekblad thing, it's like that guy's got such a career ahead of him. Like you're, buy, you're buying up future I, dollars I'm early. I'm surprised that like you guys aren't crusading with me here about this about this Latang stuff. I expected a stronger response. From uh, part of me is because when something so ridiculous as hating on Chris Latang comes up, I just tend to it's just noise to me. Would it be a big deal no, to you? It's, 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 it's fair to say. It's. I was just going to say it's fair to say it's not a big deal. Not even remotely. But, I, I mean, like, you know what kind of fan is going to hate Chris Letang. And it's the. It's like Mike said. It's the noise. You, you just need to drown that out. Well, let's talk about the, the Avalanche game. We'll move on. Because, my God. <laughs> I think when you really look at this thing from a linear perspective, okay, play really really well that's how you start okay completely stop playing (laughs) continue playing again win imagine what it would look like if they just eliminated that middle piece of stopping the play and just leaving the building mentally if they could eliminate that would it be? Would the score be nine nothing at the end of the night? Is that? <laughs> it, it, it makes I you extrapolate the results. It makes you wonder. And something I think about is, I may be wrong, but I feel like in the past year or two, the Penguins were more of a slow start with a strong second period. Now they seem to be starting strong and then just falling apart. If the game was only one period, they'd they'd be unstoppable. <laughs> Yeah, and and the one thing I will say to that is because I cannot find a way to ever log off of Twitter. I need to work on that. That needs to be my New Year's resolution. Yeah, but okay. I'm not even going to pretend like I could actually do it. There was like, like my New Year's resolution is to go to space. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've been spending you've been spending enough time on our space, so I mean, it might be it might be a, a life goal for you. <laughs> I'm off that. <laughs> but uh, wow. <laughs> but um, the the thing I was going to say too was, if it was a team like Arizona or Florida that they played last night and they had that strong of a start, and fell asleep in the second and woke up again in the third, I would have more of a level of concern over it. But Colorado is one of, if not one of the best teams in the National Hockey League this year. And in no world were they just going to go away after 20 minutes. That's not to excuse that they did absolutely fall asleep in the second period. And I didn't say it on Twitter because I didn't want to have egg on my face at the end of the game if it didn't happen. But the amount of people that lit their hair on fire after the second period and were ready to throw everybody out, trade everybody, tank for Hughes. It was like, I wanted to say, what if they come out and have a solid third period and they win this game? Because in no world was Colorado going to go, oh, well, it's 3 nothing after the first. I guess this one's done. They have the two top leading scorers in the NHL. They're going to make a push. The Penguins need to be better, but... It's a 60-minute game, not a 30-minute game. And I was thinking to myself at the end of the second period, like, what in the hell is going to happen in this next 20? And that I didn't expect that. No, not uh, at all. But, but, let's, but let's talk about this for a second, though. And I, I put the video of this on The Athletic today. I, you know, 
you can logistically watch this happen on video and on uh on from a data perspective because if you go on natural stat trick they'll track an event summary for you that kind of is like a linear line that moves up and down depending on where the possession is swinging so you can watch the penguins just give up and start conceding shots like crazy um on on a spreadsheet and then you can also watch it happen in front of you on the video and last night when the game was over i, I re-watched that second period because uh, from a data perspective it just got annihilated so i was thinking to myself like well, what the hell actually happened and they just don't forecheck they don't forecheck and if you go back and you you know the first hornquist goal was a power play goal you know typical stuff of him and you know from the net but the second and the third one were scored because the penguins forechecked the hell out of the avalanche and they dictated the pace of the play so if the does, penguins if the penguins aren't dictating the pace of the play they're at a disadvantage so does that tell you that during the second intermission mike sullivan stripped the paint off the walls in the locker room telling them they need to start forechecking again yeah basically yeah I, mean, yeah. I, th- I, I would imagine that he get an absolute meltdown because how many times does he have to repeat himself? Uh, by the way, can we pour one out for Neil Zekman's uh, penguin record following yeah. last night? Yeah, absolutely. Pour one out for Neil Zekman and uh, his elbow. <laughs> you remember that? I do. I do. <laughs> I just didn't expect <laughs> Yeah, for the uninitiated, Neil's El- is it back in Mellon, or, uh, uh, Mellon Arena, uh, you couldn't get into the locker room from the bench. You had to skate literally across the ice diagonally <laughs> to get to your locker room and Nils Ekman broke his elbow uh, on a check in the corner and he got up and during play they opened the door and he just went into the locker room during play and the penguins got penalized for it one of the most bizarre things so i've ever bolted. seen happen i mean his yeah his his elbow is clearly broken Oh, it, it was gross. Yeah, and then like he just pieced out, and the officials were like, "Well, you can't <laughs> do that." Luck. Like when you get a parking ticket, like in front of a hospital. Like, no, I'm sorry, I just rushed yeah. my my like significant other and saved her from the jaws of death. But I'll throw that money in the meter next time or something. Yeah, anyway, that's yeah. an extreme but, uh, example. The one you before before we get into before we get into some trade talk, I know you mentioned. The shorthanded goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it time for two defensemen on the power play? It has to be. <sighs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, they it, allowed what seven this year already? Yeah. And they allowed. Oh, wait, one. no, no, no. Isn't it? Isn't it eight now? Oh Jesus! I think no. it was. I think they were allowed seven going into last night. Am I wrong? Let me check here. I think it's. I want to say last night was seven, but I mean. Either way, uh, seven or eight in twenty six games, or how seven. You're right. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, the the thing I was going to say is it, it has to be kind of uh, and I you know you would never think to say this about a power play on the Pittsburgh Penguins given the personnel, but it needs to be a training wheels thing. It needs to be a you guys have consistently given up shorthanded goals, shorthanded breakaways, and shorthanded opportunities. So we have to alter this first unit to limit that because as your colleague Seth Rohrbaugh over at the athletic broke down a few days ago, the second unit has only been responsible for one of them. So at the time, five of the six were on the first unit and small sample size or not, when they're the ones giving up the majority of those shorthanded opportunities, a change is necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I found it. I found it interesting. Um, there were some quotes from Casey DeSmith about working more on breakaways to be prepared for them. So I'm guessing he's not expecting things to change anytime soon. I would rather the team continue to put up, allow shorthanded goals than put Jack Johnson on the point, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And by the way, what's the difference? I mean, if you're going to ask him to defend like that in those situations. It's basically the same as having a forward out there. Yeah, I, I, pers- I personally, if they're going to allow a shorthand goal, would rather it be because a forward couldn't get back than Jack Johnson not be able to get back. Agreed. Yeah. And I mean, I don't so think. Who puts, so who do you put out there? My first vote would be Mata just because. That's my first vote. Yeah. Just, just because. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've said but it. People, ab- but people are going to roast us for that, Pat, because his ability to pivot and turn and transition is not something he's notorious for these days no and that's that's fair and it's not incorrect at all but if there's one thing i've always said in defense of Olimata, 
it hasn't been as prevalent this year as in years past. He doesn't totally fit the Penguin system because he's not the fastest skater, but he always up until this season made up for it by being a very positionally sound defenseman. And when he's not doing that, he's ineffective. So he needs to get back to being a good positionally sound defenseman. Yeah, and the only other thought I have is get well soon, Justin Schultz. Amen to that. Yeah, and that that's that's a that's the biggest addition the Penguins can make right now is getting a healthy Justin Schultz back. Yep. Agreed. Um trades, Daniel Sprong. Yeah. Hit the music. Yeah, it was uh I don't know. I mean I I don't have a ton of opinions on it because Daniel Sprong was maybe not afforded the most opportunity, but afforded enough. And he only put up what, like, was it eight points in 40 some games as a penguin? Like if you're supposed to be this alleged big time goal scorer and offensive force, there needs to be more out of you in half a season of games played. Yeah, I also have a thought, and I'm curious to see what you guys think. Um, I don't think Jim Rutherford was as ready to trade him, but something tells me Mike Sullivan probably told him, I'm not going to play him. So you may as well trade him. I don't think that's too far-fetched, but I also think there's also the logjam that worked against him. The guys ahead of him were never going to – he was never going to get a chance to move ahead of them because all the guys ahead of them were either established or playing too well, so there was no justification for taking them out of where they were in the lineup. Yeah, and and he wouldn't have taken that spot up top with uh, Dominic Simone out. They they wouldn't have put him up there. No, and the the one thing I will say, and I do want to get your guys' opinions on this, is I think something that hampered his development a little bit was the NHL CHL transfer agreement. I think that was a real harm to him because oh, in- I, I, I'll be honest, Pat, not to cut you off on that, but look, I actually think that we all overinflated his skill because he plays in Quebec. No, yeah. I, I but- yeah, and, and he, and he went back there for another season where he had nothing to learn. Right. And that was the, that was the point I was getting into was that in fifteen sixteen when they sent him back to Charlottetown, he was done there. He didn't have anything left to learn there. He sure he was the leading scorer by a country mile, but he was ready for the AHL, but he just wasn't eligible to go there. And I really think if that season he'd have been able to go down to Wilkes-Barre and play there for a full season or a, a abbreviated season, that would have really helped him moving forward. And even into last year, he could have become a regular contributor. But instead, he went down to the queue and he was just a man playing amongst boys. I, I see where you're going with that, Pat. I just think that assumes too much for me to get all the buy-in I can give to it. Like, development is such a bizarre thing. And it's so unpredictable. Yeah, no, I, and, and I agree. I do think... And I do think that there have been players that by staying in junior for an overage year have worsened pre-existing bad habits. Um, I do think that's a, a real thing. Yeah, especially, especially with guys who are oversized. Sprong's not one of them, but with guys who are bigger than everybody else, they just bully their way through. Yeah. And, and, I, and also, you know, I will also say on the flip side of the coin, there is – something to be said about the way hockey as a sport in a professional level is to where the big names, the truly elite young players don't need time in the minor leagues. They, they force their way onto a big club and he, I don't know if he falls into that category, but he never really made a case to be on the big club consistently full time. Yeah, yeah, he's still young. He getting another shot in Anaheim. I guess we should mention where they traded him to, um, and for who they traded him for. We haven't even said that yeah. yet. Uh, he he still could develop into being a solid NHL player. But as of right now, it reminds me of when Seth Griffith was tearing up the AHL and then just never was able to produce in the NHL. 
Yeah, there's a ton of examples. A ton. There um, is, and, and I, I, I had a little mini discussion. And, and by the way, just not to cut you off again, Pat, I'm the king of that today, but uh, Stefan Elliott, the Penguins just traded him today. He's another one that fits into that. Yeah. I mean, it, at one point, you looked at his, his, his production in junior, like, holy hell. This guy's gonna, you know, turn into a behemoth, and didn't happen. Yeah, and and I had a little mini discussion about this on Twitter with uh, Vinny Bats, and I basically said, like, it's such a catch twenty two, razor's edge kind of thing. Where, yeah, maybe you trade a guy when he his value a prospect when his value is low because he's not developing, but it's when it's a hard call to make because. Yeah, like maybe next year he's suddenly the offensive powerhouse you want him to be. But if he's not producing now and your team's in win-now mode, why are you waiting another year? Yeah, it's it's a tough situation. You you want to wait till their value is higher, but then you think if their value is going to rise, they could actually contribute for us instead of for somebody else. And, you know... In that same, not in that same vein, but when you think about the development of of given, you know, specific players and all that goes into it, Jim Rutherford, and I, and I don't know, you know, if you want to buy this or not, that's fine. But Jim Rutherford did say to Josh Yoey this week, "I traded him because I want him to get it like a crack. Like I'd like for him to like get a fresh start and and use the word fair." talking about what's fair for daniel sprong um i buy that i buy that i do to an extent because for all for everything we've seen heard and watched with rutherford over the past few years the guy does truly care about his team like he's not the lou lamarillo all business if you don't buy in get out kind of guy he does have kind of more of the human element to his management style for better or for worse so i do think there is something to be said for that the other side of it though that i that i brought up the other day was that the one thing the penguins have done that i think a lot of top tier teams can take a look into is that they've fully bought into the development model they're they don't have an echl team in wheeling just to have it because they have to have it they will make sure they'll get those late round picks in those later on quote unquote projects and make them work their way through the system to become more complete players and then become a contributor at the NHL level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even, and even to go back a step to what Jesse was just saying, I believe Sprong was already skating on their second line with, <clears throat> excuse me, Adam Henrique and Nick Ritchie. Yep. Yeah. So we'll find out, I guess, in short order, you know, what happens with that. Hey, I, I guess I'll just, I'll throw this at you guys. Um, does Sprong ever hit 25 goals in, in one season in the National Hockey League? I think so. I do. I, I think, but it, it, uh, it, it needs to be the right environment for him. And Pittsburgh was not the right environment for Daniel Sprong. I don't yeah. think he does. I think he does. Here's the thing. I don't think you can find a better environment than Pittsburgh. Which is, uh, but the, the it was like I brought up originally is that where he was in this system, there were two to three people ahead of him that he was likely never going to eclipse. So is that really the right environment for him? I think systematically it's the perfect environment. Yeah, systematically it's great for him, but just the depth worked against him. Okay, so speaking of the system, how does Marcus Peterson fit into the Penguin system? Fine. I think that Jim Rutherford had a good comparison when he talked about Brian Dumoulin and the kind that, you know, Marcus Peterson is going to be the same kind of player. I just think that Dumoulin's got an element of gap control that he's kind of always had, even coming out of college because he was so big and such a good skater. He could really keep people in, in front of him and, and make life hard on them getting into the zone. I don't, where I think. Pedersen lacks in that he's better at coming out of his own end and he's got a great first pass. And I think anytime you watch video on him or anytime you talk to anybody that watched a lot of him when he was in Sweden playing against adults as a 17 year old, um, they're going to say the same thing. Like he's just infallible coming out of his own end. And I think that if you're to diagnose what is wrong with the penguins, that's pretty big one so mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah think, a little uh, bit you know i i don't know what to expect here um i i can tell you that going back and watching video there was nothing that really stood out to me as bad but 
analytically like just wasn't kind to him you know and and that, i think environment is probably something you have to take into account um and anaheim was just this year was just really poor in a lot of ways so and, and it is Randy Carlisle running the show there. Correct. That's another big point. So huge problem. You know, we, yeah, and when we talk about players like Jamie Alexiak or um, you know Trevor Daly, I guess to some extent, um, not really having the creative freedom uh, within the system they played, and then kind of flourishing a bit with it in Pittsburgh, I think you could probably say this is a player who could probably do the same thing. So, two questions, real quick. It's Pedersen, not Peterson, correct? Uh, that's what I'm going on until I'm corrected. Okay, fine by me. Um, and two, how fucking long was his stick that he was playing with last night? Toby Enstrom stick, huh? Um, yeah. Now, now, what kind of impact does that have on gap control? It's typical of defensemen. Okay, it, it just looked unreasonably long. I used it. Not that I ever played it. Let's be honest here. Let me first state that. Don't overplay my beer league experience. And HL04 counts. <laughs> I always used to use a damn tree trunk, though, Pat. I, I always tried. I always had the longest sticks. Well, I think we talked about it on the show before. I can't remember if we did or not. I know we talked about it with Sid, but the main thing is if you're a defenseman or a forward that shoots a lot, you have a longer cut on your stick in order to either for a defenseman close that gap better and have more of a way to get puck on stick. Or if you're a forward that has a longer stick, it's because you, uh, you shoot more and you need more of that flex point. You need a bigger, yeah. You need more torque. The more area you have in the stick, the more, the more bend you get, which another plug for your guys over there at the athletic Justin Bourne's piece yesterday about stick technology in the NHL was unbelievable. Yeah. And some some d bag named Jesse Marshall recently wrote an article about stick why. If you want more information, right, about this. We'll, we'll we'll get to the plugs later. All right, wow, wow, this, <laughs> this wow, wow, Captain Poopy Pants, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's other stuff we wanted to talk about, and now Mike's like, "Let's get to the goddamn correspondence." <laughs> we got we got to stick to the rundown. I printed out trees for this. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I, um, before we move on, because we will move on, we did go a little long in the tooth there. Um, Ryan Reeves. Before we move on to court, we have to talk about this hit last night. Yes. This is another. Th- this is another thing where I could put a plug in, but because Captain Poopy Pants doesn't want those, <laughs> we'll get to it. But this. You know is- what? You're you're off. You're off lead billing next week already. <laughs> no big deal to me. This is the end result of the NHL not sufficiently punishing people for their actions, because regardless of what you think about Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson. There is no consistent line, no consistent punishment, and then eventually the Caps and Tom Wilson roll into a town with somebody who's just crazy enough to do something like that, and the game spirals out of hand. Now, I said to Mike before we hit record, the first two things that happened with Wilson and Reeves were fine. They happened within the flow of the play. They were two guys playing physical, two teams that have a physical edge to their game, Whatever, that's their team philosophy. It's still a part of the game. Love it or hate it. But the hit that everybody's debating, it was blindside. It was predatory. But when the NHL sits there and says, well, you know, I mean, we don't know how we're going to suspend this. That's what happens. Yep. I personally couldn't care less. I don't either. It's what goes around comes around. But the fact of the matter is it's a self-inflicted wound by the NHL because they refuse to suspend or punish guys for the shit they do. Yeah, yeah, that's that's all fair. That's all well and good. But my thought is if if there's a guy in your neighborhood who – Oh, boy. This who is back- going to be good. This is going to be good. This yeah, this is going to be great. I can't wait. I cannot wait for this. Go ahead. If there's a guy in your neighborhood who backs into people's cars uh-huh. once a week and never gets in trouble for it, when somebody backs into his car, nobody's going to give a shit. Yeah. You know what the difference is, Mike? His car doesn't have a brain. <laughs> Neither yeah. does Tom Wilson. Oh, oh. I set you up for that one. Set you right up for that one. Um, also, real quick, let's not spend any time on this. Elliot Friedman, who I do 
like a lot and respect very much, said that his sources had told him the Penguins tested the market on Phil Kessel. Yeah, I've tested the market on so, possibly buying a Ferrari. If you, if you have, if you are playing bingo at home and you had Phil Kessel trade rumor on the card, go ahead and give it a mark. I mean, um, okay. I know you say you don't want to spend a lot of time on this, and we won't. So I just want to get one thing out there. And we're already spending more than I wanted. Go ahead. I who's don't. The, who's the poopy pants now? Still you. Oh. <laughs> uh, no. What I was going to say was the Phil Kessel trade talk stuff doesn't annoy me as much as it used to, but. The way I look at it is, if you're going to do it, you need to replace what you're getting rid of. Because it's a line you used all the time, Jesse, about a guy like Phil Kessel, or uh, Evgeny Malkin. If you trade Phil Kessel, you no longer have Phil Kessel. So you better bring in somebody that's going to be able to put up 30 goals and about 70 points and quarterback your power play, which... This old subtraction by subtraction. Yeah, don't think you're getting that. So uh, let's let's table that. All right. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Looking, well, and the only other thing I was going to say, if you're going to continue to delay your own segment, Mike, please take this was, opportunity to do so. It was probably one of those things where it was in the works before the Penguins started winning games, and they started winning. So. And not uh, when I say in the works, I'm not talking. The oh, so you're saying if like it was an unmitigated disaster where they lost like 15 in a row. Uh, I'm not even saying uh, regarding the Penguins testing the market. I'm saying regarding Elliot and his quote unquote sources uh, d- digging in on this when they had won one out of 10 games. And by the time it goes to publish oh. this morning, well, the Penguins have started winning games in the last week. So. Well, and, and and to Elliot's credit, he also said he brought up the barriers that are there. Was he was like Phil still produces, uh, Toronto still maintains one point two million, and he has a limited no move. So while they may have kicked the tires, it would be a really difficult thing to pull off. All right, hit the newsroom music. Let's do this thing. Okay. Uh, Aaron Schuster asks, how many Penguins players have texted or will text Ryan Reeves about his hit on Tom Wilson? Zach Aston Reese is. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say at least three. Uh, I would say probably Brian Dumoulin, just because he's a funny kind of guy. I was going to say, you got to figure Phil's in on that. that. That was my next one, yeah. yeah. You got to figure he's in on that. Yeah, fills in on it. Zach Aston Reese, Dumo. If it was three, I would take the over. Yeah. Yep. Take it. Put, okay. Putting put money down on that line for sure. Uh, Devin asks if you had to pick a food item to enter an eating contest and give yourself the best chance of winning, what would you pick? And she says her answer would be bacon. Uh, shouts out, friend of the pod, Devin. Shouts out Mike for remembering the questions this week. Uh, yeah, I have another one from her because I forgot her, her question last week. My answer would be chicken wings. I can down those. I don't have no idea why, but I can run through them. Ice cream. Shrimp cocktail. Oh, that's a good answer. Shrimp cocktail? Yeah. Oh, Mike. You're in the minority on this one, Jesse. I like shrimp cocktail. Oh, my God. I forgot to make a very important announcement. Oh, boy. Over the Thanksgiving holiday, I converted to team stuffing. Thank you. You're welcome. Welcome to the honesty. Welcome to the correct side of history. I've had mashed potatoes independent of Thanksgiving at least three times since November 1st. I'm not going to have stuffing again until next year. There we go. Yep. So it's a commodity is what I'm getting at. That's why I'm switching. And you're not wrong. Uh, Morgan. Morgan. Asks, oh, God. <clears throat> big friend of the pod. Big, best friend of the pod. What do we got? Your top three worst Christmas songs. Oh. I'll give you right now. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Okay. You get right was, the hell out with that. Okay. I was going to say all each other's answers, no, maybe. Wanna, I would say we throw out suggestions and then chime in appropriately. Okay. Um, okay. Is hippopotamus on anybody else's list? It was not. I didn't think of it, but I would be willing to add it to mine. Yeah, it's. it was not on mine because I forgot about it because it's that bad. All right, that's that's a first ballot. That one's in. Okay, what's the one about Christmas shoes? 
That one that was on my list, but I crossed okay. it out. You you got rid of that one for hippopotamus. I did. Ah oh, shit! What are, well, what are the other two that you have? All right, I have. Um, Is it Mariah Carey on there? No, no. I actually have three wow. more. I have three more because I didn't have hippopotamus on. Okay. okay. Um, I have Santa Baby. Oh, that one's on mine. What's your? Oh wow. Okay. I guess I, have, like, I don't care enough about Santa Baby. I guess is yeah. The thing. I just it doesn't affect me in any way. I have Pat's national anthem, the Little Drummer Boy. Oh wow! You play the drums, Pat? No, he's just little. I, I hate, I I hate that, this podcast. I hate it so much. <laughs> and I have that that fucking bunk song from the Charlie Brown Christmas that's super fucking depressing. Wait, which one? Like the the intro music. It's like super sad. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I disagree with that entirely. Dude, and Charlie Brown Christmas is one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies. It's Christmas shoes. It's it's like super (laughs) melodramatic. Oh my god, Pat! What's on your? What's on the? Get. Let's go move on. What's on your list? Um, in the same uh, vein as uh, Santa Baby, I also have Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Because it's just because like, why are these? Like sensual, like set the mood Christmas songs a thing. Like, I, I, I'm I'm not trying to bang Santa. Um, <laughs> I can't believe none of you had the Twelve Days of Christmas. It, uh, but it's, it's a, so goddamn monotonous and stupid. It's, it's very long. horrible fucking gifts. If you watch that episode of The Office. Where Andy actually got Aaron the stuff that was in the Twelve Days of Christmas it was an absolute nightmare, and there were just birds everywhere. <laughs> and shit. Like it would be horrible. And then also the spinoffs. The only acceptable spinoff of the Twelve Days of Christmas is the one for the Pennsylvania Lottery. No, only- no, no, it is not. I hate those commercials with every fiber of okay. my being. Put the damn song on your list, then, buddy. <laughs> You know what one I do have my, on there? Uh, Christmas shoes, hippopotamus, and the twelve days of Christmas. You know what I? I, I can actually I can agree with all three of those. Yeah, I could. I think the answer to this question is all of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing that uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra is the only t- the only band that has Christmas songs. <laughs> yeah. uh, the other uh, one I had was Baby It's Cold Outside, and not for all the Twitter controversy that surrounded it. It just sucks. It's not a good song. Uh, I'm indifferent. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, next question. <clears throat> uh, Danny asks, uh, we're back to Ryan Reeves' question. Is his absolute ethering of Tom Wilson the best form of street justice since Brent Johnson sent Rick DiPietro into the nth dimension? Brent Johnson wasn't street justice, though. Rick DiPietro thought it was going to be a funny little YouTube clip and they got yeah. knocked out. <laughs> yeah, and, and I would say that uh, Brent Johnson's might be better because he, he was back for the rematch and took on Michael Haley. Yeah. He did. Um, no. I just feel like Paul Correa is never is going to be topped. on their feet because Paul Correa has just come back from the dressing room and onto the bench. Into the zone, Sakura kicked it out, got it back, near side Correa. Correa, the fans want one. Paul, Paul Korea to me is like I don't even put this in, the, in, in, in like any kind of serious level because it's a regular season game in early December. Yeah, Paul like, Korea was what like, Stanley Cup final. Yep. Yeah, and then like Tom, they, the, the the Caps beat the, the they just won the cup. So like this to me is like it's a big deal because it's the first time somebody's done this to Tom Wilson. That's why it's a big deal. Yeah. But if it like if it was a cool thing to do and people did it all the time, like they should be doing because. You know, not illegally, but within the boundaries of the rules, obviously. I I don't think people would care as much, but it's kind of like the first time. You know, it's like the Juju perfect thing. I was going to say know? it's like the first time a bully on the playground gets somebody gives it back to him. Yeah, like Vontez perfect like, you know, like plays himself all the time. But then one time Juju got him real good. And it was yeah, like, oh, yeah. damn. 
and yeah. and some and some parallels here. Uh, these bullies like to play the victim card as soon as something doesn't go their way. Huh. Weird how that happens. <laughs> go ahead. Drew Dunn. The year is 2028. Brian Rust has now gone 10 years without a goal. <laughs> he buries one to clinch a playoff spot for the Penguins. How does he celebrate? Uh, what's the name of the guy from the NFL who did the cell phone thing? I think he just goes to the bench. Gives the I, bumps, lines right back up. I don't think he's ever going to score again. Wow. Be one hell of an unprecedented run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Devin, second question. Oh, she gets two. She does, because I fucked up last week. Uh, what would you name the Seattle expansion team? Oh, this is going to be great, yeah. Okay, uh, now, she mentioned Seattle Frappuccinos. The the catch, when an opponent scores, the announcer has to say the player's name wrong. <laughs> That's good. That's a good joke. That's a good joke. I appreciate um, that. Oh, what would I name the Seattle franchise? I like sock. I like sock eyes. I would go with the Seattle Needles. Another one is I said earlier on Twitter today was the seasonal affective disorders because they could be the sads. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm. Seattle I'm, sads. I'm good with sock eyes. I I know they've already said they're leaning another way, but I wish they would go Sonics colors. Did Green you see? Yellow. Did you guys see the story about uh, the kid that owns the naming rights? No. Mm-mm. There's a... It was about a year ago, so he's probably 27 now. <clears throat> There's a kid, uh, Paul Kim. He's a Korean-American. I can't remember where he went to college, but it was an Ivy League school. Uh, a couple years back, he bought the naming rights to the Seattle... Or the patent or copyright or whatever to the naming rights of the Seattle Metropolitans, the original Seattle franchise. So the NHL bought the rights for the Seattle Metropolitans in Canada, but now they have to deal with this kid to get them for the United States. It's crazy. Smart kid. Yeah, so if anybody wants to buy uh, the rights to the Houston Arrows, the Kansas City Scouts, the Quebec Nordiques. You can buy dyingalive.com, but we don't have any money. Yeah, we're not going to pay for that. Uh, last last question, and and there's actually two here, one hockey-related, one not. Hockey-related, even though the Penguins have been inconsistent, what are some small good details of their game? Oh, and this question is from Laura. I forgot that part. Uh, small details is kind of what Jesse said when we were still talking about the team in general is that when they decide to turn it on and forecheck, they can really dictate the pace of play. But then there's the other side of that when they decide not to. It's a huge deterrent. Yeah, I have an interesting answer. I don't know if this necessarily is a good detail, but they're not really fighting. I like that. That's indicative of the league, though. Like, not a lot of teams yeah. are anymore. Yeah. Although uh, Jamie Alexiak did break Wayne Simmons' nose on Saturday. Oh, did he ever? I um I still think that when the team has an opportunity to like set up in the neutral zone, um, they're still really tough to get through. Like on controlled breakout situations for the other team. Mm-hmm. Like I still think they're really like think about the um the second Hornquist goal last night, the one where Malkin picked that pass off for me and Cole. Like total structure turnover. Is that the Jacques Martin effect? Whoa. Nick Lidstrom reincarnate Ian Cole. Yeah, same one. Two turnovers. Wow, who'd have thought? I know. Have and uh, non-hockey related question: Turkey, lamb, ham, or other meat for Christmas dinner? If you have to pick. Uh, for Christmas, I'm going ham. Always ham has ham. been. Always been for yeah. my family. Yeah, I'm good with ham. Although I would not turn down any other meat options. Everybody else, do the Easter ham too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ham. I feel like ham's not good enough to have twice a year, though. I feel like we should. I feel like turkey's way better. Get your, your sodium input for the year on one day. Yeah. To <laughs> be honest, I do, that, I do that mostly every day anyway. So. <laughs> okay. That's all I have for correspondences. Mike, uh, West Ham United defeated Cardiff City yesterday 3-1. Uh, they've now won two in a row. Can we talk about, can we talk about Jurgen Klopp? Yes. R- running on the field. 
the pitch. Yes. I was fine with it. Yeah. It was no big deal to you? No, it was no big deal to me because freaking uh, Pep's done it. Yeah, well, he's done it. Um, and the Sir other, Alex has done it. Well, and the other thing is it was so far into stoppage time, it's not like it affected the game in any way. No. Game was over at that point. That goal yeah. got scored and the whistle was going. I mean, that yeah. was it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Steelers suck. Yeah. Of, of course I, they do. I, uh, I made the wise decision of... I mean, I left the TV on with the sleep timer on, but I... I got in bed and shut the lights off as soon as the Chargers went ahead 30 to 23 because I just had a feeling. I pulled a Mike Darnay for that game. I went to bedtime at halftime. Bedtime at halftime. Uh, what are we plugging this week, gentlemen? I, I posted an article today on The Athletic about four checking. I wrote something yesterday, um, very much a pipe dream, not at all a reality, of a different format the NHL could go with in terms of realignment now that there will be 32 teams with Seattle coming. I enjoyed that article. Thank you. Yes, that was really good. I read that today as well. Uh, I wrote something over the weekend after the Tom Wilson hit on Brett, Brett Senny, Senny. I don't know how you say his name, but it was more of a breakdown of how the culture of the NHL is broken and the disciplinary system isn't great. Uh, that's on Penn's blog. You can find it there. So I was really proud of that one. I put a lot of effort into that and did a lot of research for it. So it'd be cool if you guys would go and read it. Um, we have two things left to talk about. Two? Yeah, I'm going to throw a surprise in there. Hashtag free Adam Johnson. Here's the vine of the week. Oh, hey, Dad. Sit your ass down. Okay, man. Or no. Yeah.